Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey, along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And today's show is really not a new concept. that uh, We've talked about them in a lot of different shows, but then somebody sent you a list of 10 life lessons people should learn. And since we've kind of touched on all these on different shows, you kind of thought about taking them and putting them all together and really doing a request show. You know, I think as we go through the list, um, I'm not sure, again, some of them are actually anything new, but these are things that we actually teach our kids, some of them the opposite. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's interesting to note, too, that it's titled, the list was 10 life lessons people should learn, not 10 life lessons that you should know. No. That's when I first read the list, I thought, oh, those aren't things that the whoever created this list are assuming that you should know these things. Right. They're things that you should learn. So I thought that was really interesting in how, how that they worded it. But it was also true that the more I thought about these are things that when we teach our kids things, we teach them opposite of some of this stuff. And then we try to relearn that through our entire adult life. Kind of like how we talk about, you know, when we teach our kids not to talk to strangers. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And, you know, life isn't fair. And all these things that we teach them. You know, life is a dangerous place. And then when we get to be an adult, we go to therapy and spend a fortune on trying to get those (laughs) relationships back of trying to talk to people that we don't know and trying to be kind to people that we've never met and talk to the stranger on the street and be a nice person. And we relearn everything we've unlearned as a kid. So I think some of these things, again, they're not new, but I think if we look at maybe from that perspective, at least when I put the show together, that's the perspective that I looked at it from, the paradigm of shift on that. So maybe when if you're listening, you can kind of think of it that way, of some of these things we, we learned as a kid, that we need to unlearn as an adult. Right. And I mean, the one that resonates with me is the one that we talk about when we'll get into it, money. Yeah. You know, as children, we're told never to ask about that. That's none of your business. It's none of your concern. Don't worry about it. And where my mom was completely different about that. She wanted you to understand money. She wanted you to understand where it came from, how it works. You know, just because I write a check doesn't mean that, you know, if I don't have the money in the bank account, I can't just write a check. I think that's a very good ideal when we're talking about kids being taught, and then we have to retrain ourselves a different way when we're adults. So, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, that takes us right into the first one, that money will never solve any of your real problems. That's true. <laughs> but, again, that's not what we're taught, right? I mean, no. oh, if we hit the lottery. Yep. If, if we, we hit the lottery then all of our problems are going to be solved. Only thing I have to do is make more money. I have heard that a million times. If I just made more money. Now, in some cases, that's That's probably true. But, you know, when you're making $300,000 and you're thinking, I just need to make more money. Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, in the lottery, you know, if you just do a simple Google search on the lottery, you're going to find that most people that hit the lottery, it is the biggest regret that they've ever had. Their life falls apart. From the statistically, I think it's six months, you get greater happiness from the lottery, and then you revert back to your problems. If you had money problems before you hit the lottery, you're going to have money problems when you hit the lottery. If you didn't, then you're not. And that those things don't change over time. They just get bigger. Right. They just, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just in a different tax bracket at that point. I mean, we talked about that. You know, just because you know you're a high income earner doesn't mean you're good with money. 
You know, so that's those are kind of the things that we're talking about here. Well, I think that you're if you really look out and you see that people who don't make a lot of money, well, one, I think that they're happier to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, they generally have a closer knit family than people that have more money. And the more money you have, the more stuff you have, it doesn't necessarily mean you have any more money. You know, the right. more money you have, the higher your credit, the bigger your house, the bigger your car, you know, the newer your car, the, the more you have, the more you spend. It's Western culture. It's what we're taught. It's capitalist at its best. And that is the state in which we live. Well, you see and, it on TV every day. You know, people driving big cars. I mean, the 80s were famous for it, wasn't it? You right, know I mean? exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. And you say this all the time. Money's an exchange. Yeah, you know. It's an exchange. Yeah, you're exchanging your time for money. You're exchanging, you know, effort for this. It's all just an exchange. Exactly. And again, the title on number one is it's never going to solve your real problems. Because money, as we've said, is a piece of that puzzle. Right. But we have relationships, our health, our purpose, our self-worth, all of those other things that make up our life. And money is is a piece, but it's, it's not... The piece. Well, do you think it's because people don't look at it as an exchange? They look at it as an, a tangible object that... Yes. They, they look at it as a problem solver. And it's not. It's simply an exchange. It's an opportunity. People who have more money have more opportunities. It's just that fact. simple. They have, they, you have more choices, more opportunity to make different choices the more money that you have. And it's... It's really that simple. For me, with number one, money will never solve your real problems, okay? If your real problem is that you would like to have better opportunities, for me, I would say develop better skills or develop different skills, if you will. And look at money as get out of debt. Yes. Because that that gives you more money. People do not realize how much money it costs to have debt. Yeah. <laughs> How much are you paying on your credit card interest? How much are you paying on your car interest? How much are you paying on your interest on your house? How much are you paying the bank or the credit card to have the stuff that a lot of times you bought on sale and got a really good deal on that you're paying four times more than you need to because you have so on. much debt. Exactly. You're right. My debt favorite part is expensive. Yeah. That's always been my favorite part when listening to people. It's like, no, I bought these on sale. You got rid of them a year later, but you're still paying on <laughs> exactly and there's we don't think about it that way no and there's ways you know again we did a whole finance show yeah. so there's ways to get around that but in our capitalist society there's never enough money there's never enough stuff everybody knows i like stuff if one's good five's better mm-hmm. but not if you are putting that on a credit card and you need to understand again your real problems come in your relationships your health those things are real um, money is an exchange. It is a facade to think you are ever going to have enough. Right. And it's really a facade to think that you're never going to have enough because the universe is abundant. Right. So, And you can exchange your, your talent or treasure or whatever for a tangible amount of money at any point. Well, and again, folks, <coughs> if you don't believe us... Watch any soap opera out there. These people are all rich. And they and never work. And yeah, they never work. <laughs> and do. some of them are pretty wicked, right? <laughs> and, you know, it talks about, you know, real problems. You know, some of the real problems come about our belief about money, mm-hmm. around, around money, around our relationships, around the belief that there is a lack right. of anything, really, but certainly a lack of money, that we're not enough, 
so buying something is going to fill that not enough space? Well, then let's talk about that because I think that's what most people really want to know. How much is either too much or how much is just enough? Well, we talked in one show about living below your means. If you yep. live below your means, you're always going to have enough. That's very true. So, now granted, there are people who can't, that just literally live paycheck to paycheck right. and they barely get by. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the average American that makes enough, that has food on their table, that, uh, you know, wants a new car versus the car that they have that works fine and they, they go in debt to get it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a choice. And you can do that on one thing or two things, but when you start doing that on everything in your life, then debt starts to control you. Because I think sometimes money becomes an excuse. So if I have to go to work on this job that I hate, uh, then I over I compensate for that by buying something new that makes me feel better. But then I have to continue to go to the job that I hate mm -hmm. because I have to make the money to pay for this thing that I bought to make me feel better because of the job that I hate. And you chase yourself in that all the time. And we use it as an excuse to not be healthy. I have to go to work. So I don't have time to go work out. I don't have time to go for a walk. I don't have time to spend my time with my family. Because, again, we're compensating by buying something that then takes time away from those real relationships, those real things in our life that really matter. Right. I guess that would be the bigger question. How much money is too much and how much is just enough? Well, statistically, uh, researched base that up to $75,000 a year, then it continues to bring you a happiness level. At $75,000 a year, that happiness level evens out. And then when you make over 150,000, so between 75 and 150, your happiness level actually starts to decrease with the more money that you make, statistically. Mm -hmm. So again, this depends geographically and you know right, I mean, how much, right what at. you have and so forth. But statistically speaking, $75,000 is that medium point that washes everything out to even because i would think that at seventy five thousand dollars and i don't know maybe our listeners out there is like oh that's my goal but you but using that as a base point that's kind of like what we're talking about at 75 that's where you're happy you know you have enough money to do the things that you might want to do but you're not, you can't go too crazy. <laughs> right. Well, and then what do you spend money on? Harvard has done a ton of studies on this and found that people spending money on experiences rather than things brings about more happiness and it, that. it actually lasts longer. Mm -hmm. So we're talking to trips, concert, life event versus, say, a new car or an appliance or anything else, that those experiences are things that are going to make you happy. Because we like experiences more because we get the anticipation out of them, we remember them, we appreciate them longer. And it's interesting because this actually has a name. It's called Nostalgia Bias. I can't say I've ever heard this before. I've never heard of it either. But basically what it says is that memories tend to get rosier with time. So that the fun that you had on vacation is what you remember, not necessarily those long lines at Disney. <laughs> but yeah, That's so true, nostalgia though. bias, when you talk about experiences, that they actually get better with time because those bad things or the fact that you got lost or even, you know, you wrecked your car while you're on vacation or something, those things go away and you don't remember them, but all the rosy things you remember and they become more heightened as opposed to buying a thing that then depreciates 
it actually does the opposite. When you buy something new, a tangible purchase, mm-hmm. then you get buyer's remorse or you get something, you, there's something new and that you're actually your significance level or your confidence level in that tangible thing actually decreases as opposed to the experiences that get rosier over time. Well, I think that, and I can't remember either the study or the research that said this, but it was talks about people buying a new car that the first time you bought the new car you're just all excited and it takes exactly one month before it just becomes your car right exactly (laughs) exactly but if you use your money to buy more time okay with experiences and the freedoms Mm -hmm. of being able to do more things uh, choices opportunities those things actually create happiness versus buying a tangible product. Oh, I definitely can see that. I mean, think about, and it doesn't matter who's listening, think about those trips that you might have taken. I don't care if it's 20 minutes from your house and you got to do something that was new and exciting. You think about those things fondly. You know, you do. More fondly, because the nostalgia bias, more fondly over time. Yeah, especially when you're retelling the story and none of that stuff actually happened. (laughs) There you go. Well, it takes us to the second one. That the second life lesson is to pace yourself. Mm, yes. Again, as Americans, we overwork. We don't relax. We don't slow down enough. Life can be busy. It's overwhelming. You know, we as Americans uh, left fifty-five percent of our vacation package on the table in two thousand and fifteen. That's amazing to me. And we've talked in several other shows that going faster doesn't necessarily mean that you're more productive. That's true. Well, and I think that that's the problem. We're spending a lot of time at work making money and trying to get ahead and trying to pay for whatever it is that we owe on instead of just taking back and and not being so overwhelmed. Because that stress level has got to be just huge. I mean, heart attacks and high blood pressure and just everything that goes on with just being overwhelmed. Well, there's a ton of research, obviously, on stress, right? 62% say that they have significant stress over money. 61% of people say they have significant stress regarding their jobs. Wow. 51% worry about violence and crime. Uh, Research indicates that experiencing significant increase in stress levels by 44% in the last five years alone of those people that are surveyed. According to the Center for Disease Control, 110 million people die every year as a direct result of just stress. 110 million. million. There are seven people every two seconds here in the United States, and the workplace is the number one cause of life stress. (laughs) So, yeah. So for those saying that stress can't directly kill you, what happens is it increases your cortisol levels, your body, it interferes with learning and memory, it lowers your immune system, it lowers your bone density, it increases blood pressure, and creates uh, higher cholesterol and heart disease. Well, Just I mean, from stress. Yeah, and let's think about that for a moment, folks. You know, you're sitting over there at this job that you hate, and trust me, it is not like that we can just up and quit our jobs sometimes. But to sit there and not do anything is probably the worst thing that you can do. Well, we talked about, we don't have a whole show on this on overthinking, which is causing stress in our life. And that overthinking is not problem solving. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's the thing too, is like, just, gosh, take a moment, step back, you know, and trust me, we do understand this. It's not like there's not going to be points or times in your life that you're not overwhelmed, but to stay in a constant state of overwhelmed, stress, I mean. People live there. A lot of people are living there and, you know, reverts back to the money thing too. They they live there because they think that they have to. 
But if you don't slow down consciously on your own, mm-hmm. your body Whoops. will slow you down. <laughs> the body cannot sustain that forever. That stress level, that anxiety level, you just can't. So and it you, does sneak up on you because think about that. When you were sitting over there and you, you're 25 pounds overweight and you were never 25 pounds overweight, that tends to... It, that, that's your wake-up call, right? I mean, that's 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 your body telling you something. It should be, certainly. Because your body, if you pay attention, your body's going to tell you what's going on with it. But mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we don't really aren't attuned to that and don't really pay that much attention. Well, and I think one of the things that could help is trying to make conscious decisions, right? I mean, like, if you're going to talk about doing something to stop being overwhelmed, I think it starts with a decision. It has to. Right. We have to consciously start making different choices. Yes. We really have to learn how to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the happy countries, we did a show on being happy. We talked about Norway and Denmark, the happiest two countries on the planet. They have 30-hour work weeks. Their minimum wage is $32 an hour, and they start out day one with eight weeks vacation. <laughs> and they use their vacation. There is a correlation there to those people are happier and more productive than we are. Because they do take a break. They don't overwork. They take their holidays. They spend their family time. There is a direct correlation to that. There has to be. Yes. yes, there has to be, folks. I mean, if you're out there and you're working 100 hours a week, that's going to catch up to you. Well, because we think that when we work longer hours, more we're more productive. And research indicates no. that is not true. Right. So you really you have to stop. You have to breathe. You have to be, in, as you said, make choices that are intentional. You're literally stretching and loosening up your body when you're at work, you know, a stretch, you know, do those arm stretches and stuff and chair right. stretches to be more comfortable. Stop checking the clock. That's terrible for me because I'm constantly on my phone checking my clock and my schedule all the time. <laughs> and one thing we talk about too, do something, you know, giving what you need. Right. So doing something, being in service to someone else. That is always going to help you reduce your stress. It's going to charge you up. I mean, I promise you folks, the first time that you do something that you really gave back to, you'll just feel energized, you know, powerful even. Well, on to number three, you can't please everyone. You know, we're social beings, so it's really human nature to want to belong, to be liked, to be respected and valued. But not at the expense of our integrity and our happiness. No. So you, we just got to know you, you. You can't make everybody happy. You know, we are we're social beings. It's our human nature to want to be liked, to want to be loved, to want to belong, uh, especially with those people that we want to belong to. Sure. Yeah. Um, but we can't just need to be liked at the sake of our own integrity and our own happiness. You, you're never going to make everybody happy. You know, we did in our talked in our difficulty show the last one um, about personalities and values, and different values and different experiences, mm-hmm. um, and different all those different personalities really affect whether we like somebody or not. So right. it has nothing to do with the quality of a person sometimes, no. as it does just personality differences. And then, but pushing that of oh, well, this person doesn't like me, and I want to please them. Some people you're never going to please. Well, and let's think about it. Some people you're just not able to deal with. And having the ability to just be able to say no. Right. I think a whole show on that. Yeah. How do you say no? But some people have a really hard time saying no. I do. And just remember that what you, when you, you can't say no, it eliminates all those things that you can say yes to. And the yes things are what give you life and what give you purpose and what give you happiness. 
Not the no's generally, but you got to be able to say the no's to say the yeses. Exactly. And some of the things that you could probably take with that, you know, instead of dinner, just go have coffee, you know, do something that lessens what you want to participate in. Not that you don't have to participate in it, but just lessen it. Right. That's a good point. So if you can't say no to somebody. Yeah. Figure out a workaround that maybe is saying no, but not really. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and if you can't get somebody to help you with that. You yeah. know, get, get people to give you advice on how you can maybe handle that a little bit better. Go to your Dr. Christy Stewart. She can do that. <laughs> there you go. Listen to our shows. We talk about this a lot. You cannot please everybody. And just remember that you need to really get validation from the internal, not the external. Right. And, and when you question that, of which we all do that, right? We all question if we're enough. We all question, oh, well, this person doesn't like me. Why won't they like me? We, especially if somebody really wants to like us. Uh, get validation from other people that really know you, really Those six get people. you. Yeah, yeah, you're six people. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Just, you know, move on or, or whatever. Because, again, go back to our difficult people show. It could be personality or value difference. It has absolutely nothing to do with who you are as a person. Absolutely. Well, let's jump on to number four. Your health is the most valuable asset. Yes, that's true. We don't value this enough. Well, I and, think we don't. And what bothers me is the way people talk about you. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. But yet, we don't do anything about it. We hear right. it all the time. Yeah, we still eat inappropriately. We still don't exercise enough. We we, we believe that to be true until... Something is, happens. Yeah, until something happens. Yep. Exactly. You know, we tend to take our good health for granted because it's just there, right? We don't worry about it. We don't really pay attention to it until mm-hmm. we have to. Well, and you think about it, folks, you know, and... I'm a victim of this. Not a victim. That is the wrong word. I, <laughs> I contribute to this. But, I mean, just like that, it is the most valuable thing that you will own is your body. And it's one of the most expensive things that if you don't take care of, it's going to cost you. Exactly. Both figuratively and literally. Right. Right? It is much cheaper to take care of your health than it is to pay later for all of the medical care that comes with all of those years that you didn't. Absolutely. So, yeah, and I, I guess one of the best things that you can do to get the most out of your health is to reduce the stress in your life. Again, yes. we understand stress is a moment in time. It truly is. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be your state of being. We did a whole show on being kind. That being kind is good for your health. Yes. Go back and listen to that. We gave a lot of statistics in that. And don't feel bad to live your life. I think that's part of it, too. Sometimes we feel guilty because we're happy and other people aren't. Or we have... A job that we love and our spouse or other people have jobs that they hate. You know, right. Those are not your stuff. You know, you, yeah, you can't need take to on. take that, your own stuff. Try to stay in shape physically, mentally, spiritually as best you can and know that those are all about being healthy. And try to find ways to get excited about your life because that's really what's going to do it for your overall health. Find that thing that you're really, like, right. for me, it's camping. For yep. other people, it's running. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But yeah, just find a way to understand that you need to put that on the front burner. Right. And we all put it on the back burner. We do. Unless we have a problem, and then life puts it on the front burner for us. <laughs> and, you know, we just need to take better care of ourselves. That's right. So money is not your most valuable asset. Your health, health. is. There you go. And number five, you don't always get what you want. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We all know that lesson. Yep. And it's taught to us from an early age. So life isn't always fair. Nothing is, you don't get a free lunch. I mean, right. things like that. But 
you don't always get what you want. You know, no matter how careful you plan, no matter how hard you work, sometimes things just don't work out. That's true. You know, well, imagine don't. planning a trip, you know, a vacation or something. How often does that go according to plan? It doesn't. Right, it doesn't. You know, that's what people talk about these trips. Oh, I could never do these hikes that you do because I'm going to get lost. Yeah, I get lost all the time. <laughs> and that's part of it. It's part of it. That's part of the experience. But it does not always go the way you plan, and it certainly you don't always get what you want you always get what you need Mm -hmm. but you're never going to always get what you want and sometimes that's a blessing that is a blessing and i think that that's what most people if you talk to a hundred year old which we actually did in one of our past shows (laughs) that you don't always get exactly what you want you try to make the best decision at the time that you can and a lot of times you just have to pivot in life right sometimes our dreams fail sometimes we just change our minds mid-course because we this this, uh, this oh this isn't anything like i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. you know sometimes we just have to try a few more things different things to find out you know what's right what's not right what feels right what doesn't look right you know i want a blue one but then i got the blue one and oh that's not really as nice as the red one and we do that all the time. Well, yeah. and, it, and one of the things that we can talk about, especially for number five, is you don't always get what you want when we're talking about jobs. Well, right. again, pivot. Yeah. You know, if, the, if this is not what you wanted out of work or your professional life, find a way, small things, to change that. We both did jobs for a long time yes. that we absolutely positively hated to get us to a place where we are right now that we're doing things that we like to do. This, exactly. Life is like that. But personal relationships are like that, you know. Nothing is perfect. You're going to have your struggles. You're going to have your issues. A brick at a time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think one of my favorite quotes that you said when you were talking about we were talking about what love really looks like, and you're like, or happy marriage. You know, oh, Mister, yeah. I've been married 21 years over there, and you're like, it's not two people running towards each other on the beach. Yeah, it's Sandy like beach. a used car. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's going to be work. It's going to break down from time to time. So that, but that's true. But we have to really reel in our expectations work for those things that we want, tweak those things when we need to, and be happy with what you have, appreciate what you have, and you'll get more of it. That's true. kind of that simple. Six, it's not all about you. (laughs) This is for the narcissists out there. (laughs) And this is hard, though, especially for people that, you know, want to be people pleasers. You want people to like them because you think if something doesn't work out, it is all about you. Right? That's true. It's like the opposite of narcissists, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But... You know, we are not the epicenter of the universe. We are not, as sometimes we want to think we are. Uh, and it's, But it's very difficult sometimes to view our world from a perspective outside of ourself. I think that is just human nature, right? We, we see it from our view. Yes. That makes sense, right? But sometimes that view is skewed. Sometimes it's sideways and we don't stay focused on, on, on those things that really matter and we see 10 steps ahead or we're, we don't see things as clearly as we think we do. That's true. And, and then we take it on that it's, oh, it's all about me, good or bad. Yeah. And it's not. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's just life doesn't revolve around one person. It just doesn't. And I guess that falls into the things of like, what do you want? You know, what what do I have to get accomplished today? It, you know, it, and especially if you can take yourself out of that, I think. It's, yeah. it's, it's not all about you. How can you make somebody else happier today? So if you could start in those kinds of realms, I think this far more effective to think of yourself as it's all about you yeah well you know what we do affects other people and what other people do definitely affects us absolutely so we are interconnected and but it is really trying to look at it from a perspective of 
what does it mean for me? What does it mean for my career? What does it mean for my life? What do I want from this? What do I need from this? Rather than, oh, I'm, I'm so boxed in that it revolves around me. How can I branch out into understanding, seeing those visions, seeing those things of all those things around me mm-hmm. and appreciating those things to make me better, to move, make me more forward rather than staying stuck in I'm the epicenter that is so small. We're not made to be small. God did not make us to be small. God made us to be big. Uh, and big comes from embracing those things outside of ourself and those people outside of ourself in all different capacities. That's right. Taking on the challenge. Yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah. And number seven, one of my personal favorites, there's no shame in not knowing. Not everybody can know everything. Well, they don't. And I <laughs> think impossible. what one thing I learned is the more I learn, the more I realize what I didn't know. <laughs> so I think that that's really important because we did a whole show and nobody has it all figured out. And we've done shows on this whole topic of nobody has all the answers. Sometimes we don't even know what the questions are, let alone know the answers. That's right. And there's just... No shame in just saying, I don't know. Now, if you make something up and then come to find out that you didn't really know what you were talking about, there's shame in that. Now you look stupid. Yeah. But that's kind of like pretending to be perfect doesn't make you perfect. No. And that fake it till you make it it, of perfect, that doesn't doesn't work work either. (laughs) Exactly. Because we have some kind of idea that there's some kind of stigma and shame to admitting that we don't know. And I don't know where we get that. Because, you know, we don't have, we didn't have shame the hundred times we fell off the bike because we didn't know how to ride it. Right. Or, you know, learning something, a language, we didn't sit down and speak it fluently until we spent years learning it. But sometimes we think that admitting that we don't know something, and sometimes these are the most silly things, that's a, there's shame in that. And there's well, really, there's just not. And that's one thing that you've talked about when you've hired people, that you are far more interested in their personality traits, how they were going get, to get along, than their skill set. Always. Yeah. because My entire career, I will focus on the quality of the individual that I'm hiring versus the skill set that they bring to the table. I, I, I have rarely hired on paper the best, most qualified person. I hire somebody who is obviously qualified to do the job, but it is a good fit with everybody else in my organization, including me. That is far more important than somebody that knows everything. Right, because yep. that's the thing, too, is it's going to be harder for them to admit when they've done something wrong than somebody that you could teach that skill set to. Right, because you can always teach people to ask better questions mm. so that they, you know, maybe they don't feel stupid or whatever. But when somebody's coming in that they're the center of the, <laughs> of the universe and they you. know everything, <laughs> and then they want to come and they, you know, that that's not going to work. So you can teach people new skill sets. You can teach people how to acquire information better. You can teach people to learn more about themselves. But you've got to have somebody that is willing to be vulnerable, that's willing to be a person that says, look, I don't know everything. Don't claim to know everything. I want to learn. That's why I'm here. I want to get better. That's why I'm here. Wherever here is, job, personal, it doesn't matter. Those are the people you want as your six people. Those are the people you want to help you. Because That's the people you want in your organization. Exactly, exactly. Because those are people that asking the right questions is how you learn, not necessarily knowing everything. Absolutely. I think another thing on the not knowing everything um, that I want to point out is not just knowing what questions to ask, but how to ask the question and how to deliver the question 
and how to receive the information. Uh, one of the things we talked about in our Dealing with Difficult People show and personalities is some people you need to send an email, some people you need to go talk to in person. Right. Whatever that means of which to convey information, you need to know what's best and how to get what you want. And that, again, is understanding other people. But you need to know how to communicate with people to not only give the information to them, but how, how to receive the information yeah, from absolutely. them and ask from that. So, again, not knowing. I don't know how to do X. If, if somebody just simply says, can you send me directions on how to do this? Well, you need to know if, this, if you are a person that needs a lot of context and you're asking a person that's just going to bullet it to you, that's probably not very helpful. So maybe in asking the question, communicate better in asking the question, can you send me a detailed description of exactly what I need to do in doing this or whatever? So so, so not just not knowing is important, that you don't know everything, but how do you acquire that information is equally important. Of How do you need the information for you to understand it? Mm-hmm. And how can you communicate to other people how you need to receive that information. There's probably a whole show in that. Probably. But that is very important in the communication process of knowing how you need to give it and how you need to receive it. Well, and one for me, especially uh, being in a training position or anything like that, is if you're going to ask for help, you know, first of all, find the right person, ask the right questions like you just talked yeah. about. But if they're trying to give you help and you're interrupting them to put your own two cents in about something that you don't really know about, then you're just wasting that person's time. And you're not going to get the answer that you truly need. You're not going to get the information that would make this easier, better, whatever. You're just wasting time there. Right. And don't ask somebody complicated information at 4.45 when they get off at 5 o'clock. Exactly. You know, again, you know what you need. (laughs) Don't wait until they're walking out the door to ask them to give you something. Even if you're their boss and you you can do that, don't do that. that don't, be don't, that. Do that. Don't, don't be, be that, that guy. guy. Yeah, exactly. Don't <laughs> be that guy. Piggybacking on that is that not knowing everything, obviously, you know, even though some people are know-it-alls, nobody knows everything. Right. It's really not about what you know. It's about how can you acquire what you don't know and how can you convey what you do know. And that comes back to a whole communication process that is very, is very important to do effectively. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to number eight. Love is more than a feeling. It's a choice. Yes. I agree. There are some people out there, the Pisces out there being like, no, (laughs) love is wonderful. And it's, no, love is a choice. Um, You can choose to be in it. You can choose to not be in it. It doesn't mean you don't feel it anymore. As as we're defining this love, we're saying more than just romantic love. We're saying being compassionate, kind, empathetic. When we refer to love on any of our shows, that's what we're referring to. But being a good example in the world. Absolutely, yes. It's not just a feeling. It's a choice that we make every day Mm -hmm. and every interaction that we have. How are we going to show up? Are we going to blow up at McDonald's because the ketchup dispenser is empty? Or are we going to be loving and kind and appreciate the woman who makes minimum wage that is really nice to us in the morning that makes our day better as we go through the drive-thru? Exactly. You can do either one. I mean, folks, seriously, if you're blowing up about a pizza not getting out to you right. in 10 minutes, th- th- that's an issue. That's exactly. a problem. Because our choices that, you know, we choose every day how we want to show up. Some days, you know, we make bad choices. Yes. <laughs> we all do. But we also choose every day who we want to take on this journey with us. Those are very, very two important choices of how are you going to show up and who who's going to do this with you? And what are they going to bring to your world and your existence and how are they going to help you understand that 
love as a choice, not a feeling. Yeah, because every day you make that choice. You know, you can be a good person or you can be a bad person. Right. I mean, I, I know that that's a matter of perspective, but I agree. I think it can start with just a tad bit of kindness out there. Exactly. And understand that friendships... You know, we think about personal relationships that, you know, obviously they take work. Everybody knows that. Right. Friendships take work too, right? You have to be a friend to have a friend. You have to reach out to that person. You have to send a text message to somebody that you want, you know, check on them too, all those things. You know, choose to be a helper, not a herder, and choose love more than fear. And if you can do that, I think... We'll, we'll bring you on the show. There you go. <laughs> So, moving on to number nine. Perspective is a beautiful thing. Yes, I yes. love that. <laughs> Perspective is just our point of view. And you can change it if you want to. Yep. It is a conscious choice you can make. You can be happy. You can be sad. You can be angry. You can live in gratitude. You can live in fear. Those are choices that you make. It's a paradigm shift. It doesn't mean we all don't get stuck in those negative places. But right. it is your perspective, and you can choose to see it differently. Well, it's it, kind of a side note. I was working at this job, and I hated this job, right? Hated it. Couldn't stand it. Couldn't wait to get out of it, right? And I worked. This person started, and uh, she was working with me. And she's like, I am so thankful I got this job. This is the, the best job I've ever had in life. <laughs> Exactly. Perspective. <laughs> it's perspective. You know, that had nothing to do with the actual job itself. That had everything to do with me and her. Two different perspectives, same work. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and perspect our perspectives change on that too, right? I mm -hmm. mean, running, um, you know, the first time you run a 10K, it's like, oh my goodness gracious, this is the longest thing in the world. I'm going to die. I imagine. And then the, when you run a marathon and you only have a 10K left, it's like, oh my thank goodness, it's... <laughs> I only have a 10K left to go. So the distance is the same, but your perspective is totally different. Right. I think that that's, that's an incredible gift that we have yeah. is that we, we can give perspective. And we all have different perspectives on different subjects. Yes. You know, I mean. Oh, anything. Just, Religion. I mean, or all right. the way down to where ants live. So, you know, I mean, you, <laughs> you know, we can have similar uh, beliefs or we can have totally different ones. Exactly. But that's 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 what makes the world beautiful. You exactly. know, it makes it very colorful. It does do that. So when we're talking about perspectives, what is the difference between an opinion and perspective? Well, opinions are views or beliefs regarding something but actually have a judgment they're always very subjective where perspective is how we see those things or an assessment of them that's based on fact rather than judgment okay so an opinion basically is a judgment a perspective comes doesn't necessarily come with judgment it just comes with a fact-based perspective a viewpoint a snapshot as opposed to an opinion that may be critical or judgmental so um, basically the more facts that we can gather the more perspective we can have right i mean and the easier we can change our perspective oh, versus okay. something that's very subjective in an opinion because and a judgment okay. generally because judgments right judgments and criticisms we hold on to very very tightly right versus mm -hmm. a perspective a fact you know if it's raining outside we don't have any real emotion around it's raining right. it's just raining but if we have to make a judgment on what it's doing outside, 
we're probably going to be a lot more attached to that, emotionally attached to that, because that's ours, right? I may look outside and, it, oh, it looks beautifully warm. And you may look outside and say, oh, my God, it looks like it's freezing. Right. We're probably going to be attached to that. We're going to get some kind of emotional attachment because we believe it to be true. We don't know it because it's not a fact because we don't have a thermometer, so we really don't know. Mm -hmm. But if we know it's 60 degrees outside or it's raining, you don't have to have necessarily the judgment, the attachment to it. So right. that's one of the ways that perspective we can change easier based on facts that are not necessarily as subjective. Subjective things, people dig their heels in because they need to be right. We can both be right because it's raining. The fact is, it's raining. So we have no dispute. And she's not making that up, folks. It it's is literally raining. raining. As we're <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's why I got that example. It's literally raining. But I think that that's true. I think when we can look at perspective, I think it's how we act and react to things, right? Oh, definitely. Again, based on judgments. Right. And we're going to be more reactive when we're being critical and criticism and when we're being judgmental than we are true. perspective, <laughs> right? Yeah, because we're definitely going to put up walls more than what... That's exactly what <laughs> we're going to get far more emotionally charged on something that is our opinion than something that is a perspective. Yeah. So try to try to keep that at least perspective in perspective because is it going to matter a year from now? Is exactly. It, exactly. Know? Does it matter now? Does it matter now? That's a big, does it matter now? I mean, I know that I get myself all spun out of control on something that one doesn't matter a week from now or six months from now, but it doesn't even matter right now. Right. But I have an opinion. I have a judgment. Somebody else has one that's different than me. Neither one that are based on perspective fact. Right. They're based on opinion. And we're spinning ourselves out of control on something that doesn't even matter right now. Yeah. Ten minutes from now, people are going to forget it. Well, we they won't forget it. it now. But. Right. We all do it. We get Sometimes we get stuck there. Just know that. Move on. Today, if you're having that happen, think, is this an opinion or is this a perspective? If it's an opinion, maybe I need to have less judgment and kind of turn it into a factual perspective. And then I'm going to have much more peace around it. That's right. So number 10, and one of the things I think we need to really take heave of is don't take anything for granted. That's another tough one, I think. I think so. Because we think... often don't appreciate what we have until it's gone. That yes. includes our health, our family, our friends, our job, sometimes the money we talked about. I think this is one that we kind of, everybody struggles with. We, we take things for granted. I do. I think it because in our opinion, and sometimes our perspective works around that, is nothing's ever good enough. You're not good enough. This isn't happening. Instead of trying to find those things that you can put gratitude in, whatever those are, they could be small things. But I think that if we can start building on that, your life would be so much more open. Well, what you focus on increases. Yes. So if you focus on your opinion and your criticism, that's what you're going to get more of. If you focus on what you're grateful for and live in a place of gratitude, that's what you're going to get. You're going to have more to be grateful for. It's just, it really is a law of right. attraction. Is that simple. Not easy, but it really right. is that simple. So, you know, take the time. Take five minutes when you're closing your eyes at night, when you're laying your head on your pillow. What do I have to be grateful for today? Everybody has something. But you, something. you got a pillow and a bed. Right. right. I mean, you've got something to be grateful for. The more you can focus on what you're grateful for, the more you can live in gratitude. Life is always better in gratitude than it is in any of those other places that we get stuck. Yes. And we are talking about building a brick wall here. You know, when we're talking, it takes each brick each day to right. find that little bit of gratitude. And then next thing you know, you have half of a wall gratitude built. Right, Which exactly. wall is probably not a good example. Probably a foundation. The foundation, <laughs> there you go. If you can build your foundation in your life living in a place of gratitude, 
uh, y- you're always going to have what you need. Yeah. And you're 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 not going to get stuck in a hopeless place. You're not going to get stuck in that dark hallway that we talk about from time to time. You may may, may spend a minute there. Right. You may cry for a moment there. But you're going to have your six people around you that you're grateful for that are going to help you, nurture you, bring right. you through. But yes, foundations begin with gratitude. Happiness begins with gratitude. Those things that um, you've been given, those things that you didn't necessarily work for, mm-hmm. that are you know your privilege, if you will. Right. We don't spend enough time focusing on what we're grateful for. Not at we all. We don't. We don't. We I, focus on all the stuff that's out there that we're angry about or resentful for or somebody didn't do me right because life is not fair and all of those things we've talked about on the show and it all comes down 100% to if you can stay in a place of gratitude all of that rolls away and let me tell you folks go to a person and tell them you're grateful that they're in your life and you will see shock and awe come over their face. Right. I guarantee you if you walked up to your best friends like man I just need you to know I'm really grateful that I have you in my life. Especially if you can give an example. Yes. Because you're a very kind person. You know, you're always very kind to me. I can come to you and I know that I've shown up terribly. And I know that you're going to give me some good advice, but you're not going to criticize me and hold me. You know, that's not who I am. Kind of that avatar thing that, you know, your people, they can see you for who that you really are versus how kind of your behavior. So, yeah, when you can come to a person and say, oh, I'm grateful for you, or understand I'm, you know, I'm grateful for my car, I'm grateful, whatever you're grateful for, that's going to be a really good place for you to be. And and that's what your happiness is going to come from those people, those things, those places that you have gratitude for. Yeah. So start with something small and build upon it. Exactly. So there you are, folks. The 10 life lessons that we need to learn. You know, study them, practice them, I don't care how many times you have to listen to the show, but start. Quick one again was when money will never solve your real problems. Again, it's going to solve some things, but it's never going to solve your real ones. You got to pace yourself. Uh, we we did a whole thing on overthinking and overworking. You got to pace yourself. You can't please everyone. Uh, amen to that. <laughs> your health is your most valuable asset. I think that's one of the most underutilized in this entire list that we need to understand. You don't always get what you want. It's not all about you. It we is are not, not the you. epicenter of the universe, even though sometimes we think we are. There's no shame in not knowing. That's a really important one that we've spent a lot of time and a lot of shows on. Love is more than a feeling. It's an actual choice. Number nine, perspective is a beautiful thing. Understanding the difference between an opinion and a perspective is vitally important, I think. And number 10, don't take anything for granted. Appreciate those things in your life. Appreciate those relationships that you have. Understanding that life is a journey of relationships and experiences. It's not about the destination. All of our destinations are the same. Life goes moment to moment. If you can live in this moment, stay in this moment. Understanding the law of attraction of what you focus on increases. If you focus on the good, you're going to get more good. If you focus on the bad, you're going to get more bad. And then it's not about what we have in life that matters. It's about who we have in our life that matters. That's the truth. 
So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platforms like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living on Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.